And I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it with some conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have the fellowship around the greatness of your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, I thank you that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is sharp enough to divide asunder between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it even discerns the true thoughts and intents of our heart. So today, as we hear the word, I thank you that faith will rise in the hearts of your people. That we will leave this place with, with a better understanding which produces a better quality of life. And as I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God increasing to feed every person in this room. That no one will leave here spiritually unfed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Now, I have a pretty long introduction, so just bear with me as I go through it, but the introduction is very important because I feel that today's lesson is going to liberate a lot of people in this room from worrying about how they're going to make it from day to day. When you really know that the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want, when you really, really know that, worry ceases to be in your life. Amen. And so we've been this discussing over the last three weeks how favor can flow in our lives by partnering with God. Today we're going to see how we can obtain favor through partnering with God by releasing our resources to support and sustain kingdom projects. Everybody say kingdom projects. Now, out of all the lessons, it is this one that the enemy will fight the average believer on. And I'm going to tell you why. Anytime you start talking about people releasing their resources, and I'm not just talking about money when I say resources. Resources can represent your time, your talent, and your treasures. But when you start talking about that, the devil will sit on your shoulder and say to you, he just wants your money. But how many know God doesn't need your money? No, no. It's really, God doesn't need your money. You really need to give your money to God so that you can get blessed by God. And so uh, the reason I feel that this lesson is very important is because without the giving of resources, God's plan to reach, teach, and preach to people is hindered and it clogs up salvation for those who he has it planned for, which is, of course, mankind. Think about it. If churches were not funded properly, then the gospel couldn't get out. And if the gospel doesn't get out, then salvation will be difficult to, to receive because the Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? Amen? Now, it also 
disengages the main vehicle that God uses to supernaturally bless his people outside of the working of your hands. In other words, when you start releasing your resources to God, God will begin to supernaturally bless your life outside of what the works of your hands can do. See, there are only so many shifts you can work. And, and some of you are three and four and five jobs. But see, when you get a hold of what I'm going to share today, it's going to help you see that all I need to do is cooperate with God and partner with him through kingdom projects and my life can be blessed. So through 25 years of living this thing and walking with God, this is one of the most consistent principles for increase that I've seen work on a consistent basis. So today's title, if you want to write it down, is Favor Through Kingdom Projects. Favor Through Kingdom Projects. And my goal today is to help us see that when we release our God-given resources to the Lord, favor and blessings will flow in our lives. Now, I want you to go to the book of Exodus. Exodus, go back to Exodus. This is going to be our original text that we started with. Exodus chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. Exodus 12, 35 and 36. And we're going to look at what favor looks like. We're going to define it again, and then we're going to jump into this morning's lesson. Exodus chapter 12, look at verse 35. It says, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. And the Lord gave the people what class? Come on now. He gave them favor in the sight of who? The Egyptians. So that they, the Egyptians, lent unto them, watch this now, such things as they required. So listen, your requirement is what produces your desirement. Some people, they don't have enough high expectation for God to do what he wants to do. And so they had to require something. Now the word favor there, when you look it up, it actually means uh, the granting of what is required, what is desired, and what is inspired by God and others to bless us with. It also means it is the willingness of others to use their power, their ability, and their influence to help us. In other words, God wants to put someone in your path that's going to bless you. And, and favor also means undeserved favor. It just means that you don't even, you don't even deserve it, but God did it anyway. Amen. Uh, we had a member that came up to me last week, and uh, they were put, applying for a position that would allow them to not work on Sunday. How many know the Lord don't want you to work on Sunday if you don't want to work on Sunday? Amen. But see, some people work on Sunday because they haven't asked the Lord not to work on Sunday. You say, well, pastor, you don't know uh, what it takes for me to not work on Sunday. Well, you don't know who God is then. In this case, uh, it was 15 individuals applying for this position. And some of the people on the list have been on the list since 2000. This person had only been on the list since March. But they went through the interview, and they, and, and they were interviewing, and they told the person, you don't even need to interview nobody else. The person said, why? They said, because God has given me favor for this job. Well, you know, that's kind of out there. Some of y'all wouldn't even have the boldness to do it. But see, faith speaks those things which be not as though they were. And so the lady said, that's good to be in prayer. Well, how many know that member that only had their name on the list since March, got the position. Amen. Amen. Everybody say favor. favor. 
favor. So favor means excessive kindness. It means preferential treatment. It means to be approved or to be held in high regards. So I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Here is the core or the beginning of the lesson this morning. Matthew chapter 6. God wants to show us favor. And favor can come through us being involved in kingdom projects. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. And here's the point I want you to write down. God's kingdom or his way of doing things must be prioritized as first for our lives. God's kingdom must be prioritized as first in our lives. Matthew 6, look at verse 33. Very simple verse. We all know it. It says, but seek ye second. Come on, class. Does it say first or second? He says, seek first the kingdom of what? God and his righteousness. And then what happens? All these things shall be added unto you. So what that saying is that when God's way of doing things is first in my life, my needs ought to be met. Now, in principle, say in principle. In principle, it is impossible for God to be second because God must always be first. Now, I'm going to show it to you. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Go to Genesis chapter 1. In principle, it is impossible for God to be second because God must be first. In other words, what I'm saying is it is, it is, it is utterly impossible for God to be second in anything. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, look in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, what? In the beginning, God. Now, that verse could also read, God was the beginning. In other words, before anything got started, God was there and the one that started everything. So everybody say God must be first. Now write down John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Then verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. So God started the whole thing off. You know why he started the whole thing off? Because he is first. Now, when we don't follow the rules of God being first in our lives, and then he becomes second or third or fourth, then things don't work out in our lives the way they need to. Now, I'm going to show you that when you release your resources to God, your talent, your ability, your treasures, when you do that, then favor is going to flow into your life. Go to Exodus. That's right after Genesis. Go to Exodus chapter 20. What we don't realize is God being first in our lives is the same thing as the, as the first commandment in the Ten Commandments. How many know that the Ten Commandments are still alive today? I mean, thou shalt not kill is still wrong, right? Amen. Look in Exodus chapter 20. It says in verse 1, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of, of bondage. Thou shall have no other gods before what? What is that saying? He says, I'm at the top. He's saying, I must be first. And it is not until we see that everything that we own belongs to God and that we are just managers. It's not until we see that, that we're able to participate in these kingdom projects that I'm going to talk about. In other words, Project 360, which is where our land is and where we're building our building. There are some people whose eternal lives are counting on us getting over there. Some people will never come to a school. Some people will never see us here because, you know, I didn't know this location was here 
until the Lord showed it to me because I never came this way because I knew it was a dead end. So I didn't need anything this way. I never came this way. But one day he told me to turn right instead of left because we used to be at the elementary school down the street. And so when I came this way, boom, unless you live over here, you really don't know there's a school here. So there are some people waiting on us to get to 360. And listen, we have the message of hope and salvation for them. And if we never get over there, I wonder whose lives are in the balance. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Amen. So if you if you look now, go to Psalm 24. Go to Psalm 24. Let me show you this, so, this same principle that God being first is in effect. Psalm chapter 24. We're going to stay in Psalm a couple, of, a couple of verses here. Psalm 24, look in verse 1. It says, the earth is whose? Whose is it? The earth is the Lord. So all this real estate belongs to God. Now, let me ask you a question. If this real estate belongs to God, why wouldn't he want to give you some of it? Now, I know some of you all, and, and, and I know this is a problem. I found out one of the biggest problems that hinder believers from moving forward financially. And I know, you know what it is? It's stewardship. Stewardship is what you do with what you have left after you give God what belongs to him. In other words, it's how you manage what was left. Then... And, and that, I'm going to show you in the next scripture here, that is the trigger that God uses as a measuring stick to determine whether you get some more. I'm going to raise my hand so y'all can say amen on that one. Praise the Lord. Watch this. Psalm 24.1. He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that is therein. Go to Psalm 50. Go to Psalm 50. All that we possess belongs to God and not to us. We think we own it, but we really don't own it. How can you own something that belongs on, that, that, that it says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof? How can you say you own that when the Lord said it's, it's his? Guess who I'm going to believe? I'm going to believe him over you because he was here first. Yeah. <laughs> Psalm 50, look now in verse uh, 7, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 12. Verse 7 says, hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel. So we know God is talking. I will testify against you. I am God, even thy God. Look now in verse 12. He says, if I was hungry. Well, let's just jump up to verse. Uh, let's look in verse 10, and then we'll jump down to verse 12. Look in verse 10. For every beast of the forest is whose? It's mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills. There, there's his, it's his too. Look in verse 11. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field. Whose are they? He said, they're mine. He says, if I was hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Because the world is whose? He said, the world is mine. And then the fullness thereof. In other words, let's go to Psalm 89. Because I said, I hear some of y'all going, that money I made is mine. I got up in the morning. I went to work for it. It is my money. I hear you thinking. Well, my question to you is, who gave you the legs to get the work on? You say, well, I ain't got no legs. I'm in a wheelchair. Well, who gave you the arms to roll your wheelchair then? I hear you now. Well, somebody pushed me. Well, who gave you the air to breathe? <laughs> look at Psalm 89. Look at verse 11. Psalm 89, verse 11. Watch what it says. It says, the heavens are mine. The earth also is mine. And as for the world and the fullness thereof, I have found them. In, in other words, the Lord is saying, all is mine. Now, listen to this. When you own something, 
you can do what you want to do with it. But when God owns something, you only get his favor and blessings when you do what he wants you to do with it. Did you all get that? I'm going to say it again. When you own something, you can do what you want to do with it. But when God owns something, the only way to get his favor and blessings is if you do what he wants you to do with what he gave you. Amen. Now, go to Luke chapter 16. Here's the gut of what I want to share this morning. Luke chapter 16. We can only tap into the favor for kingdom projects when we value God over our money and our resources. See, some of you all, you got your money lifted up too high. That's why you worry when you don't have none. Because, see, the money is your source, not God. I mean, why would you worry if the Lord is your source? Why would you worry when your money goes down if you're really trusting him as your source to get some more anyway? Amen. And so in Luke 16, watch this in verse 11. He says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now notice there are two types of money here. There's worldly money. And then he said there are true riches. Look at the next verse. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous money, who will commit to your trust what? True riches. Verse 12, I'm sorry. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? I want you to write this down as a take-home statement. Favor is free, but stewardship is work. That's what most people miss it. They miss it because they want to see the favor of God working in their lives. But, but you're not showing any faith by just starting to pay your bills on time right now. See, you, you can't, if you have the ability, see, stewardship takes a little work. It does. It takes some work. It takes some work to sit down and make sure things are straight. It takes work to know where every penny went. And let me tell you something about God, because if you keep reading, let's read verse 13. He says, no servant can serve two what? Remember now, I said God has to be first. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. Watch this, read it with me. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot have both of them on the top. So, watch this now. Favor is free, but stewardship is work. That just means that God is just as concerned about what you do with the rest of the money after you give to him. Because, see, most of us, especially if you've been in the faith for a while, we think that being faithful means tithing. No, it doesn't. Tithing just means you're not a thief. Did you hear that? Faithfulness means I'm able to successfully manage and count for the money that I have left. So when, when God looks at me, he can say, I can trust Evan with this, this increase because he knows where everything is going after he gives me what belongs to me. And some of you all, God knows, as soon as you get a raise, it's like you didn't get one. You know why? Because you just consumed it on yourself. And that's not the purpose of increase. The purpose of increase is not just to bless you, but also to be a blessing in the kingdom. So go to Luke chapter 5. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Luke 5 real quick. And here's, here's a point I want you to write down. It may not make sense when I say it, but I'm going to explain it. Kingdom interest will always produce kingdom increase. 
Kingdom interest. In other words, when you get interested in what God is doing for the, for the kingdom of God, when you are interested in what he's doing, then it will also produce kingdom increase. In Luke chapter 5, what an awesome story here. And I'm going to start in verse 1. If you there, say I'm there. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So why were these people here? To hear the word. Now, I want you to realize that the real subject of this whole context is really the word. It says in verse 2, And Jesus saw two ships. How many ships? Circle the, the number 2 or the, letter, uh, the word 2. Circle that. He saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he, Jesus, entered into one of the ships. Now, I wonder what was his criteria to determine what ship he was going to go on. I wonder. Well, we're going to see why. It says in verse 3, And he entered into one of the ships which belonged to who? Simon. That's just another name of Simon Peter. And so, watch this. Peter, Jesus picked Peter's boat because Peter had a relationship with Jesus. Now, let me explain something to you. Peter really didn't understand that him allowing Jesus to use his boat was about to put him in position to reap from kingdom project interest. In other words, God saw that, okay, all right, he's going to let me use his boat. Let me tell you something. Jesus will never use you without blessing you. So look now, it says here, which uh, says, and he entered into the ship, which was Simon's, and he asked him or prayed him saying, would you thrust out a little from the land? And he, Jesus, sat down and what else? He taught the people out of the ship. So remember now, the whole context of this is getting the word out. So because Peter was sensitive to allow Jesus to use his resources to help get the word out, we're going to see what Jesus did. What kind of favor came on Simon Peter's life? So look in verse 5 and uh, verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon... Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for what? So he told Peter, Peter, check this out, Peter. Because you let me use your boat. Because you are concerned with what I'm concerned about. Because you want the word to get out. Because you have now partnered with me through a kingdom project. I want to do something for you. And look at what he did. It says, and Simon He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have worked the third shift. And not only did we work the third shift, we didn't even make no money. We've toiled all night and we took nothing. But then he said the key word, nevertheless. He said, nevertheless, at your word... I will let down the net. Watch this. Write this down. Faith instructions and obedience always precede favor and increase. I'm going to say that again. Faith instructions and obedience. Because see, God can tell you to do something and you don't do it. But when he gives you faith instructions, which he gave to Peter, because Peter worked all night and didn't catch nothing. So he said, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep and you're going to catch some fish. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. 
Those were the faith instructions. Now it was up to Peter to obey him. Peter obeyed him. Let's see what favor happened in his life. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed or caught a great multitude of fishes and their net what? Their net broke. Now watch this. Remember, how many ships was there? There were two ships. Look in verse 7. And they beckoned until their what? Remember last week I told you who you partner with. Uh, you can be around somebody who God has favor on and you hang out with them and get favor yourself. Amen. Well, even though he didn't preach in the other ship, that ship had partnership with Peter. And so what, what happened? And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should, that they should come and help them. And they came, watch this now, and filled both ships and they began to sink. I mean, they got a boat load sinking worth of fish just because Jesus used this boat. My question to you this morning is, will you let Jesus use your boat? See, your boat may be your time. Your boat may be your talent. Your boat may be your resources. But I can tell this to you, if you allow him to use you, he will bless you. Now, let me show you another. Go to, go to John chapter, uh, go to John 6. Go to John, now, go to, let's see here. Go to John chapter 6. Yeah, let's go to John 6, and we'll end here. Go to John 6. This happened to a young man that when we read these stories, we don't really read them like they're real people, but this was real people. How many, when you were young, your parents sent you to the store? You know, when I grew up, our neighborhood store was bicycle, Distance or walking distance, depending on which one you wanted to do that day, depending on what temperature it was in Texas. And so most of the time I rode my bike and, you know, your parents give you a list, you know, and you got to come home and then they expect their, come on somebody. They expect their change back. You ain't keeping that change. They look at the receipt and how much they supposed to get back and then they hold that hand out. Well, watch this. Look what happened here. Look in verse, uh, I'm going to start in verse 6. Uh, John chapter 6. And look in verse 6. Well, look in verse 5. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company coming into him. And he said, Philip, what do you have? Can you go buy some bread that these may eat? And he said this to prove him, for he, Jesus, already knew what he was going to do. And Philip said unto him, 200 penny worth of bread is not even sufficient for these people that every one of them may take a little. Everybody say a little. Yeah. Then verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, Here is a lad here which has five. I want you to circle the word five. He has five barley loaves and then how many f small fishes? Two. So I want you to circle two small fishes. He didn't just have two fish. I mean, he had two small fishes. And then he says, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in a number of how many? So we know there were at least 5,000 people minimum sitting here. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he gave, he gave thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that, that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Watch this now. Here's a key verse. And when they were what class? Yeah. Circle that word, field. Now, I used to think 
that everybody took a little pinch. A little pinch of the bread, a little pinch of the fish, and we was all good. But that's not what it says here. I mean, how many of you have taken a pinch to eat unless you got that, ga- ga- what's that, bi- what's that gas- gastro, what is it, what is it called? Come on, some of y'all know y'all did it. What is it? I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I mean, unless you got a surgery like that, which didn't exist back in those days. You Listen, they ate till they got full. Now, let's see what else happened. He said unto the disciples, gather up the fragments. Notice Jesus was a good manager of resources. He said, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Watch this now. Therefore, they gathered them together and what? Come on, class. They filled how many baskets? This boy started with two small fishes and five loaves of bread, but he ended with 12 baskets full of food. Because he allowed Jesus to use his resources, Jesus decided to multiply his blessings. And that's why you can't afford to hold on to what God wants you to give. Because when you do it, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about some of you all need to get involved. You need to show God that you love him through giving your time. Amen. 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 And you know, what's interesting about a church this large is we don't need you to work with the kids every week. We just need you to work one week. But see, it's not until we give him our resources. Can you imagine what that little boy was thinking when he went home? Let me tell you what I think he did. I'm just using my Holy Ghost imagination. I'm thinking he already had a receipt from the store. For the five loaves and the two small fishes. I think he sold the rest of that on the way home and made some money. Want to buy some fish? Want to buy some bread? And he got, already got down to what he was supposed to have. And he went home with a pocket full of money because he sold that stuff before he got there because he knew his mom was going to ask him for some change. <laughs> now, that ain't in the Bible, but that was just what I think. But here's the thing. I want you to write this down. Anytime we yield our resources to God, supernatural multiplication occurs. It's just throughout the Bible. Write down Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. 2 through 4 and Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 4 through 8 I want you to look at that because when we take an interest in what God in what God wants done he takes interest in what he wants to do in our lives and I can promise you this listen to me y'all look up at me look up at me look up at me when we start our project over there at 360 I don't know what God's going to require of us but I do know this There are not only people, eternal lives laying in the balance, but there is a level of blessing that God God wants to get to us that we ain't never seen before in our lives. I know that without a doubt. And so the heart of the message today is when you release your resources to God, favor from God is released to you. Did you get that this morning? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning. And this first altar call is not normal, but I felt led to do it. And that's why I'm going to do it this way. And these first set of hands.